Hey folks, welcome to Dojo Talks. Today we are again talking Magnus. We uh, have dedicated a few episodes to him in the last year, but recently he finally officially announced that he is not going to be uh, participating in the next World uh, Championship match, uh, which means that uh, Ding Loren and Jan Nepomnushi will be playing the next FIDE World Championship match. Um, and today I guess we're going to argue about what this means for uh, for Magnus, his legacy, um, the chess world, uh, whether we think the winner of the Ding Nepo match is a legitimate world champion or not. Uh, apparently, me and Jesse have a disagreement on this, which I w- wasn't aware of. So, Jesse, maybe mm-hmm. let me throw it to you, and you can you could try to frame the debate however you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm the one who called for this meeting, this high council, because. My understanding is that me and Kostya have an interesting difference of opinion, and I think other people share Kostya's strange, idiosyncratic opinion. <laughs> now, I'm not exactly sure what Kostya's opinion is, and so I kind of want to do this talk also to flesh it out, because I want to actually like hear it developed as an argument. But now I'll, I'll tell you, so I think that the way Kostya sees it, he's going to correct me, is that uh, the world championship match is not that important and that rather the world number one by rating is what's important. And I think he referenced tennis. I could care less about tennis, but apparently that's how they do it in tennis. Um, whereas for me, the world championship match is a big deal. And I'll say more about that. But first, Kosi, did I kind of get that right as to where you're coming from? I, I mean, I, w- I would say that's... Um... That's pretty close. I, I guess here's how I would rank things. If if someone wins a match against another player, then they're the world champion, right? So if someone beats Magnus in a full mm-hmm. classical match, that's the ultimate. And I love the tradition. I love the match tradition. I, lo- I like I love studying the history of world championship matches. I love like all the story and um, culture around it. I remember you know reading about Fisher and all these like great players, and so I love the matches. So if someone beats Magnus in a match, then I don't care about the rating. They're the new world champion. They, that's that's the number one. Then if there is no match, right, no match happens for whatever reason. Maybe there's no sponsor. Maybe Magnus doesn't want to play in this case. Then for me, it's like, yeah, I don't care who wins the quote-unquote FIDE world championship match, right? They could host it between Karyakin and Karpov if they wanted to, right? And say, like, that's the new world champion. For me, what's important is like who's the number one player in the world, who's the best chess player in the world. So if Magnus plays like a, an official match and he loses, like okay, then there's clearly someone better than him. But if there's no match happening, Magnus is the number one player. For me, he's the world champion as long as he still plays. You know, like okay, if he retired and started playing poker or something, then fine, he's out of the game. He's like Fisher. You know, Fisher wasn't the world champion when when he stopped playing for me. But mm-hmm. if Magnus keeps playing keeps dominating tournaments, keep keeps his number one rating, then for me, yeah, like, it's kind of unfortunate, but yeah, it doesn't really matter who, who wins the, the FIDE title. Okay, because when we talked about this last time, too, you were kind of like, ah, if he doesn't do it, it's no big thing. <laughs> if he doesn't play the match. If he doesn't play the match, yeah. Well, it's disappointing, but I, like, I totally understand where he's coming from, right? Like, he's played a lot of these already. He literally just played Nepo last time. Now he has to like prep six months for a match 
whereas it sounds like he'd rather just be working on his chess and not worrying about this like one match and just trying to like raise his level which personally i'm very excited about you know mm. uh, like i i love that we saw a new magnus um when he prepped the sveshnikov for Karwana for their match and then the next year he played the sveshnikov and like destroyed everybody with black i thought that was just like a mate like we already knew he was the goat, but then he just like unleashes this like entirely new Magnus on everybody that can now checkmate you, um, in addition to to grinding you into the end game. So yeah, I would love to see what Magnus looks like when he's purely just working on his chess. He doesn't care about this like one important match where you know eleven draws and he loses one game and all of a sudden he's like not world champion anymore. Like, uh, so I totally get it from his point of view. And mm. yeah, it's like. As long as there's no clear challenger, I don't think he should be forced. I guess that's really what I'm, what it's coming down to for me. Like if there was a clear like number two player, someone who's like 28-40, 28-50, then I would say like, okay, Magnus, you have to play a match against. Like how could you not? You know, you have to play. No. But until there's like a clear challenger, until Ferruja or someone else gets there, then yeah, in my eyes, Magnus can do whatever he wants. He's still number one. So how do you feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, let's let David chime in first, then I'll give my. I, my I have very little to add. You were okay. So disappointed, uh, David, when Magnus. Uh, first I, of all, no, were you Magnus surprised one, when it became I'm, official? That's one small difference. I'm not disappointed. Okay. I'm not surprised. It's fine with me. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So this <laughs> is the debate. Does it matter? I think it matters a whole lot. I think Magnus really torched the chess world in a massive way. Um, and maybe this is a I, part of it, I guess I'm guessing is a generational thing because for me, like a big, well, I think it, to me it's obvious, but it's also just from where I grew up is the trauma of the chess world really began with short after he beat Karpov to then get convinced by Gary to create their own world championship. And that destroyed chess, made chess difficult, let's just say, for a long time of my, let's say, formative chess years. And what I foresee happening. Wait, wait, tell us tell yeah. us how, because uh, I yeah. also didn't care about that. So tell us why okay. that caused. Yeah, this, this is a debate for you guys, because I wasn't old enough to really <laughs> worry about it either. <laughs> so, okay, let me just, let's just back up and do a little history. So first of all, it's got to be said, FIDE only really got in charge of the world championship cycle post-World War II. After that, it was kind of like this club where it was kind of decided who was the world championship, who was the world champion. Officially, no world champion until Steinitz in this time after he beat Sukertort in the 1880s. Now, one interesting thing, I just want to back up and tell a little history. The reason that begins then, it's important to say, is because no one wanted to call themselves the world champion while Morphy was still alive. So Steinitz wins a match in the 1860s against Anderson, and they don't know, like, no, Morphy's still alive. We're clearly not on that guy's level. So we're not even going to talk about it as a world champion until he's dead. Okay. Also, from my historical understanding, to me, it really begins with McDonald Labordonnais. That match is epic. 
both players almost die from health things, from nervous exhaustion. And one of the great things about the world championship that I just want to cherish up front is it is the ultimate test. Like it's people, when they think about chess, they're like, oh, it's some silly game. No, you look at the history of the world championship match. We're talking about people who have almost died on several occasions. McDonald, Labordene, that Zuckertort, uh, Steinitz match, they were almost dead too. Zuckertort basically died in that match. Karpov, Kasparov, people almost dying. It's, it's like a real test of your psyche, of your physical stamina, the whole thing. And a lot of it got watered down when the match cycle was shortened, right? To these like 12, 14, stuff like that. Also, it got a little bit watered down when uh, there was no rematch. It used to be that the if there was a tie, the... Um, the champion, actually, whether it was a tie or not, the champion got a rematch clause. Yeah. Which made it really grueling for somebody to take the title. Um, okay. So how did this Kasparov thing affect the world of chess? It meant that the chess world got split in two and that instead of there being a governing body dealing with the shenanigans that Kasparov created, it was just Kasparov out on his own, kind of sort of arbitrarily deciding who gets to play him. And that culminates when Kasparov is like, no, I don't want to play Shirov. Shirov like, gotten the right to play him. And then Kasparov is like, nah, dog, nah. No one thinks you have a chance against me. The sponsors don't want it. No, I'm going to play Pramni. And that's, of course how he loses the throne. Was it karma? Probably. It, I mean, I don't believe in karma, but if there's anything that's karma, that was karma. You decide not to give Shiroff his shot. And then kind of like the way Magnus wanted to play Ferruja, he wanted to play Kramnik, Kramnik beats him. And then the world is still not unified uh, until much later. Uh, and then we get this whole unification pro process that finally, finally, okay, got taken care of. Basically, decades went by where we didn't have a governing body decide who is the world champion. And it's a problem because the world championship feels far less legit when there aren't clear rules establishing who gets to play the world champion. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen now? Same thing. So you you prefer for the world championship to belong to FIDE over... I will say to an organizing body an organization. at least feels kind of sort of neutral. So when, Kasparov has, yeah. so when Kasparov defended his title against Short or then against Anand, I mean, he had a full-fledged qualification cycle for the, for the title with Anand. That felt pretty legit to me, the match with Anand. What do you think? Right, but it was kind of like the ages of his whole, you know, thing was like it was outside of. So instead of like taking over FIDE, mm -hmm. it was this outside organization. And right. it was always it was unclear who was funding it and what was going on and what the rules were. That stuff is unclear with FIDE too. I mean, they had an interzonal, they had candidates matches. Mm hmm. Um, leading up to Anand's challenge. I mean, it was an organization, just not FIDE. And definitely, I think all chess fans can agree that we do not want to have two different world championship 
cycles. We don't want it to be like boxing where there's like 30 different champions and they have different belts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened. And I just want to say this pertains, this history pertains to the Magnus discussion. Because at the time, there were intelligent people saying, well, uh, Fide did his, their matches. And then like you had Khalifman won one time, Panamariev won one time, Anand won one time. And at the time, some intelligent people were saying, oh, this is actually the real world championship. Even Anand believed that when he won the first Fide cycle thing. With time, with the benefit of hindsight, a little bit of time, it's clear that none of those guys were champions. Give, give me a break. It's clear. And you got to say then, like, in a way, it didn't matter whether Kasparov was playing or not. At that time, Kasparov was clearly so much better than everybody else that it would have been ridiculous to say that somebody else was the champion. So these matches that he was doing, is kind of like, oh, man. You know, I'm glad he played the matches, by the way. I'm glad he played the matches, even if it turned into a real shenanigans, especially with the Shirov story. Well, Jesse, if I could hop in, I, I feel like that's exactly yeah. why, looking back on it, no one really questions Kasparov's reign until 2000 because he stayed active. He continued to play mm-hmm. very serious matches against the world's best players. Like, okay, he didn't play Karpov, you know, a fifth or sixth time, but yeah, he played short, he played Anand, and then he was kind of vindicated. I mean, what happened with Shirov, I think, is truly a tragedy, but like, he was kind of vindicated in choosing Kramnik as the challenger because Kramnik ended up, you know, showing how how to beat him, and I think was a very yeah. rightful uh, world champion. Um, but uh, so I feel like now we're gonna just get a similar phase with Magnus, where we're gonna have like a couple years of Fide world champions, but everyone's gonna understand that Magnus is still the best. It's just that Magnus, I'm guessing, is not going to set up, you know, like this separate world championship cycle. He's just going to keep playing normal events and, and just keep staying number one. And that will be his way of staying like the, the real world champion. Yeah, but it's totally uncool because <laughs> at least with Kasparov, it's, it's, it's much worse actually than the Kasparov situation. So let's just back up and say Kasparov, at least with the benefit of hindsight, seems like he was mostly interested by money. Magnus, though, is a gazillionaire. He doesn't need any money. This has never been, this, this has been about money for a while, right? Might be better if he was motivated by money, you know. In any case, his brand, I think, is going to take a huge hit from this. At least for me, it's taking a huge hit. I know other people feel like the same way I do. And so let's say he doesn't play for a while. No, or he's going to play, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. He is going to keep playing, and his rating will be whatever it is going to be. He will eventually, because he's past 30 now, he's going to start, the decline is going to set in. How long it takes, I don't know. But it's gonna t- it's it will set in, and in this time where he's not playing, where we're just gonna have to acknowledge him as the world champion, but he's not playing matches. It's a real problem. This could go on for a while. Well, and then yeah, and then we're gonna have these FIDE world champions that like I don't know some people like him back in the day in the '90s. Some people really thought that like Khalifman was the world champion, and I know you already see it. You already see it, though, with this ding uh, Nepo match. People are like, well, if they win, they win. That's it. And in a way, you got to say, well, like in terms of fairness and, and the structure of how it works and yada, yada, you can say you can make an argument. But it's weird because like with the benefit of hindsight on the into the 1990s, like it, it's ridiculous 
to say that Halifman was the world champion. Ridiculous. I think everyone at the time thought so too. I mean, I never met somebody uh-huh. who thought that Halifman was the real world champion. Anand thought he was the world champion. He still says that. He's like, I won the world championship in the 1990s. No, you didn't, boss. But they, a lot of people think that. A lot of people. No, but there's think- there's different kinds of world champions. Yeah, he's totally fair to say he won the world championship and also say that he only became world champion after he defeated Kramnik. Like, there's Rapid and Blitz world championships, and anyone who wins those is a world champion, and there's youth world championships, and anyone who wins those is also a world champion. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like... But okay, being the world champion is, of course, a different title. But the FIFA knockouts title. were obviously not the world championship. And I don't, I've never met somebody who argued with me that the FIDE knockouts were the real, like, chess world championship overall. Mm. I mean, you, could, you can call it a world championship and still say it doesn't affect who the world champion is. Right? Like, <laughs> like not, not every world championship has to be a 10 out of 10 classic. There could be some really, you know, like with the U.S. championship, right? Not every U.S. championship has been, like, the strongest players playing uh, of that year, right? But it's still, it's still a U.S. championship. And it that's like just how it goes. It was knockout with rapid chess. I mean, it was, it was the World Cup champion, not the World Chess champion. You know, and I'm with you. It's, like, not a very, you know, memorable uh, format. Look, it's not like Magnus can just do whatever he wants. He does lose something out of this. When he's the world champion and he's the rating number one, he can lose the rating spot. There was a moment a couple years ago where Caruana actually, if he'd won a game in like the Bundesliga or something, would have overtaken Magnus. But no one would say, oh, Caruana is a new world champion because Magnus still had the title. People were just like, okay, well, that's amazing. Caruana took the spot, but okay, Magnus still has the title. But now... Now that he's given up the title, he doesn't he doesn't get that same comfort anymore, right? So if Faruja or Karwana or someone overtakes him, then you know it's like yeah, he kind of he he loses a lot of uh, a lot of his let's say rights, like a lot of his power, and then it does become murky as to like who is the actual world champion. But I like what Kasparov said, like you know to be the next guy, you kind of have to beat either have to beat Magnus in a match, or essentially he has to like slip off. Like no one beat. Alakine in a match because Alakine passed away but then it was like all right well whoever wins the next tournament is the world champion right the, you know the show must go on so if Magnus never plays another match again but then slips to like number two number three then yeah eventually I mean there's just going to be a new number one and, and they'll be kind of the new the new world champion we'll be like I mean we've had several of these cases before with with Fisher and um and Karpov of course Fisher gave up the title but Karpov was then the number one player in the world, so it was a very natural thing, even though he never he never actually beat Fisher in a match. Yeah. I mean, at some point when someone's got a rating that's really close to Magnus's, which I think mathematically has to happen at some point, right? I mean, either Magnus retires number one, or at some point someone's, in which case, he's no longer in the discussion for world champion if he's fully retired, right? Or at some point, someone's rating gets within, you know, 10 or 20 points of his. And then hopefully at that point, it'll be interesting to see a match between Magnus and that and that person, uh, who, whoever it is, who makes it up to, you know, the 2850s or whatever. Um, I would look forward to that match. And I'm fine letting Magnus do other things meanwhile. So let me just put it bluntly. So look, at the moment, we're going to start, we're going to be calling, at least here at the dojo, we're going to be calling him the world champion. I guarantee you, and the chess world will be split on this. You got a lot of people saying that the whoever wins this Nepo Ding thing is a world champion. 
So here at the dojo, I think we're all going to be kind of agreed Magnus is the world champion. But is it controversial? Of course it is. And the longer it goes on, if let's say this goes on one year, two year, three year, just keep calling him the world champion when he's not playing. Oh, boss, this is a real problem. And then what, what, where does the, when does the world championship get rebooted? You've just killed Magnus. Listen, buddy, you are killing hundreds of years of chess history of the <laughs> glorious battles of the past. You, my friend, are killing it. Why? I don't understand. He's I also don't understand contributed more to it than you have, fans. Jesse. What's that? He's also contributed more to that history than you have. So, of course, he has. I'm not debating that. He's one of the. You could call him. You could call him the greatest of all time right now. But you are still killing hundreds of years of history for what? I don't understand. So listen, it's a major problem, and then it's going to continue. This is the problem with this problem. It's not just like one thing. No, every day that passes gets worse. It it's gets okay. worse. It's okay. And I would ask you this question, Jesse. I mean, who's yeah. been a better steward of the world championship than Magnus, right? I mean, like who, like you're complaining about, about Kasparov's track record with the PCA. I mean, which world champion was deserving of the title and treated it with the proper respect? And... Well, right now, Magnus really didn't do himself a favor in that regard. I mean, is the guy an incredible ambassador? Until now, he has been. And then this thing, by the way, here's the other problem, my friends. These people at the top, at least many of them, are neurodivergent. And what does that mean? Their brains are functioning a little differently. No one understands completely brain science. It's very difficult. But it's clear that Fisher was also neuro neurodivergent. And then as time progressed, as he got a little older, the problems that were inherent in being different became clearer and clearer. Is this the first sign of Magnus losing his mind? Maybe. Intuitively, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to me because this decision is so nasty. It's so nasty. And there's a little bit of Fisher in it too. Like, I don't need to defend. I'm Jesse, the best. I don't need to defend. Jesse, if you're doing X and then you think to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, I'd rather be doing Y. Uh -huh. What, how does it reveal insanity to then choose to do Y? Well, I'm sure Fisher felt that way too. And then we saw what happened to Right? We saw what happened. Now, obviously, Carlson is not Fisher. And they're both, they were definitely both neurodivergent. We don't know exactly. I don't think anybody understands how these people's brains work. Well, if we don't and, know or understand, then we can't say definitely. I think well, they're both they're both definitely neurodivergent. That I think we, we got to give that. Magnus some credit. If he had like a shred of what Fisher had, like stuff would have been leaked. It would have come out already, like on social media. Like in this day and age, like <laughs> if he had some like insane, like paranoid, like delusional thoughts, I feel like anyway. <laughs> I don't. Know, I get it. <laughs> I don't I, I, this is what I'm saying. It's not expressing itself as paranoia. Uh, and the guy is incredibly like, by the way, if you look at the interviews of Fisher back in the day, in his 20s, you're like, oh, this guy had it together. This guy was, I mean, even, I mean, Carlson's a very suave dude, but you look at no, those no. old interviews of Fisher, you're like, oh, man, this guy's presenting as if, you know, he's got it all together. I don't know. He, he started talking about like TV antennas, like pretty early on, I feel like it wasn't. I, I'm just saying, if anybody's interested, go watch the old interviews and you ask yourself if you think he was insane. Because it's it'd be no, your, your takeaway would be no. The guy's totally fine. Jesse, he just wants to play chess. He just wants to play chess. 
He doesn't want to spend three months preparing. He wants to be in tournaments during that time. That's that. That's that's all Magnus wants. He just wants to play chess. He wants to be challenged. A match is not even challenging and all the prep time he's not playing. So he'd rather just go to a tournament, beat people down and wait for a worthy challenge. And meanwhile, set a goal of 2,900 where every time they get a draw, they're dragging him down. So he's sort of like fighting uphill. By the way, of course, I have some sympathy with the idea that you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> I'm just saying this is creating a problem for the chess community that will extend. And I want to say, like, for me, the world championship, that's it. man. That is the event every two years. Like, it would be for a soccer fan, you take away the World Cup. Horrendous. Horrendous. And this is what, you know, the World Cup actually can't get stopped. If one team, Brazil's decided not to play, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Magnus deciding not to do this, though. Oh, my gosh. This kills it. Now, will it eventually come back? Will the weight of history force the World Championship to be put back anew, refreshed in some form? I'd like to believe it. But... Of the course. people like Kostya, there, there's enough millennials out there like Kostya, like, ah, it's not such a big deal. Yeah, we're, ah, you know, he's number one, no big thing. We're kind of ready you know? for the change. You know, look, Jesse, you put a lot of faith into the world championship, it sounds like. I put a lot of faith into the world champion. And I feel like the world champion is allowed some leeway in terms of actually shaping the chess world. They're the best chess player in the world, right? You know, it's not like an elected position. Yeah, it's like, like, like Magnus has. I, I, I believe he he deserves some say and and how like, um, how chess is is played. You know, I think it's pretty clear he also wants to see like more rapid chess and he wants to see more rapid and blitz, um, taken seriously. And I I feel like he said stuff in interviews where he's talked about how like rapid, and blitz for him like, well it kind of uh, exposes the gaps more right between him and the rest of the the field so for him it's like even showing uh, a bigger skill difference which makes it just like more interesting uh competitively um i feel like he has that right you know and i again i like the the classic traditional match system where like okay you have to you have to beat the previous world champion to be the new world champion but yeah there's no reason to like force it on on magnus every two years with someone who's like you know has like i don't know 20 30 percent chance every time and then it's like, not even, maybe not, not even, even that. that. Like, I don't, even, I don't even know. Like, with the ratings, it's always very surprising for me. It's like, I would say, I think it's pretty fair to just, you know, someone has to, like, cross a certain, certain threshold, like 2030. Let's say you cross 2030, then you get a match with, with Magnus, right? And then there's actually some pressure and there's actually some motivation for him to play. Because clearly, you're an uh, extremely worthy challenger. Not that he doesn't have respect for all these guys, but... I mean, he he did play Caruana, like he played Nepo. Uh, I, I think if he played Ding, he would he would win as well. You know, it's like he's played Ding quite a bit. Um, so I yeah, I totally get why he'd rather spend his time just uh, just playing tournaments. Let me just say, by the way, yes, the the match with Nepo looked really easy, but when you look at the Karyak and and the Caruana matches, those could have gone either way, my friend. I mean, also remember, those are descended on rapid tie breaks. I don't, I think in a way it's the, the, we don't know exactly what he's motivated by. I think I smell some neurodivergent stuff. I also smell a little bit of fear because, right, you play somebody, let's say you play Ding a match. Oh, it's not going to be easy, my friend. It's not going to be easy. Qualify. What's that? 
Ding, ding. I get it. But yeah. by doing this, he escapes from ever having to do a real match again. And I don't like it. I don't, I don't, there's so many reasons. I don't like it as a fan of Carlson. And I definitely don't like it as a fan of the world championship. I mean, how, how badly did you really want to see Magnus versus Nepo part two? Like aside from the tradition, right? But mm -hmm. just as like, just as like a sporting thing, right? Like sometimes you hear there's a tournament going on. You're like, oh man, I need to check that out, right? You hear there's a match yeah. going on. Oh, I got to see what's happening. You really feel entspannt, right? For uh -huh. Magnet versus Nepo number two. You are, are you curious to see what happens? Oh yeah. I, I watched every single game. I was there every single game, buddy. Me I was there every for round. Two? For number yeah, two? I could be there for sure, man. Yeah, you're not I mean, on the By the way, it's, it's you, like- you know what would happen. Well, think about it this way. Like, yes, but I learned a lot about chess in that from that match. And it's part of this tradition where, like, will Magnus prove himself to be the greatest player of all time? It's not just comparing himself to Kasparov and Fisher and the other players of the past. It's against the players who are to come. Who Somebody's <laughs> going to come. And then we want to, even if we want to say he's the greatest of all time right now, there's some other kids going to come up and then we're going to want to have a sense of like, Oh, how did, how did Magnus perform under pressure? How did he perform against the best players of his generation? And yes, this, that was the key test. Now, am I, let me put it back to you. You asked me how I feel about that match. Well, I'll tell you what, when he's going to play these tournaments, do I watch? Yeah, I kind of watch, but do I really care to No. Do I care even if he gets second place? Does it matter to me? No. Do I enjoy the games a little bit? Sure. But is it the same pressure as the world championship? No. Does the greater uh, world community care if you win some tournament in Serbia or wherever it is? No. The, the world needs, the, the world that is not the chess world needs the world championship. That is how we project what our game is because the world perceives it correctly as this epic battle of nerves, of will, of who is the smart. They'd like to think of it as who's the smartest. Fine. They can frame it however they want, but they get something out of it that they're not getting out of it when, you know, he plays some chump tournament. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have an interesting point that the stakes on random tournaments he play, it's in some ways, it's like, it's like lower and we need some, there's no, there isn't a structure to the 2,900 race the way there is mm -hmm. to like candidates and then world championships and so forth. And so it would be nice if there were some event he was playing in that was somehow elevated and more important and like more epic, you know, but I mean, already these matches have been watered down to 12 games. And honestly, I would be excited one day when there's somebody rated 2850 I'll be just dying. I'll be like, please, Magnus, come back and play this guy. And I think, Costa, mm -hmm. maybe you would feel that too, right? Like if there's a clear, if there's somebody who's really hot and really high rated and you don't know what would happen, you'll be itching. You'll be itching to see them play each other. Yeah, no, I mean, I, honestly, I, I would be perfectly happy seeing the, the Carlson-Nepo rematch. And I'd be very interested in those games, but mainly because I'm just interested every time Magnus plays anything. I think his games are just uh, brilliant. Uh, and I'm just always curious to see what what kinds of ideas he's um, he's trying out. Um, but but yeah, the thing is for Magnus, yeah, again, it's not like he can just do whatever he wants. He's for me like he's the world champion until there's just a very clear challenger, 
and then and then there's like okay then there's some pressure on him and then he can't just like, and then it's he's then he becomes fisher right so for, that's like the difference with fisher there was a very clear challenger in karpov who is younger possibly stronger they haven't even played yet you know it sounded like fisher might have even thought karpov w was uh was just as good as he is or perhaps even stronger so that's why fisher he couldn't just like escape <laughs> without facing the challenger so for Magnus, until he gets his Karpov, yeah, you, you can just uh, chill, play tournaments, dominate, you know, and I, uh, no problem, I think. And I'm, I'm very sorry to the rest of the candidates, you know, it's like they worked super hard, but like, uh, and, you know, they fully deserve to run the FIDE World Championship and, 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 and get all they can from that. But yeah, uh, yeah if you want to be like the historical 17th world champion, you know, you gotta you gotta take down Magnus. Yeah, they could FIDE could just rename their event for like five years or so the FIDE second best in the world championship, <laughs> and they could just run a qualification cycle and a, and a match, um, and just do that for a couple of years. Uh -huh. Well, I think that will that will happen. I mean, for me, it's it's just I just call it a FIDE world championship. It's, just, it's very simple. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, know, you had your FIDE World Champions in like the '90s and in the 2000s as well, and then um, and then eventually there will be a reunification match as soon as you know Ferruja steps up, you know, and gets to Westeros. <laughs> like then we'll have the unification. Yeah, you know, if Kostenyuk hasn't patented the vice champion term she invented, they call it the FIDE Vice Championship event. If if that's not something they would get sued for. I mean, you know, actually, I wanted to say we had kind of a similar situation uh, on the women's side for several years where Ho Yufan wasn't playing the world championship matches and no one doubted that she was, wasn't the strongest uh, female player in the world. But they still had, you know, the, their own cycle and we still had a women's world champion and that was still a huge achievement. But it was understood. It's like, okay, if Ho Yufan played, she would be world champion, but she wants to uh, do other things or, you know, play higher events. Uh, Judith Polgar, I mean, very similar, right? I, I think it's fine for chess history. All right. Okay. Everybody's <laughs> happy. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, okay. I guess um, we'll end it there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the real world champions, whoever wins the... Uh, chess.com global championship obviously <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the big one um i hope magnus plays in that actually it'd be interesting yeah. to see what happens there. <laughs> yeah i haven't seen his uh his name in any materials around that event yet but i think that'll be a great event to see him in yeah that would be cool okay guys thanks for uh listening we'll we'll end it there Stop.